Come on, let's give it up for our pastor. Come on, you can do better. Pastor James and I were sitting in back back there, and we were just talking and dreaming out some things. And I even had to share something prophetic that I felt from the Lord for him and uh, for Deb and for Isaac and Luke. And, and uh, I'm going to tell you something. And, and by the way, my beautiful wife just texted me. Uh, she is recovering. The enemy attacked her body. Just doesn't happen very often, but she's listening. Her and Abby are listening right now. And so would you give it up for my family? They're actually listening online. And... She's traveling all over America and uh, uh, all over the world, actually. Brazil, she saw over 15,000 say or touched in Brazil. That's the Brazil meeting she just had. And, uh, and not only that, she's hot. Amen? Because it don't matter if you're ugly. As long as you're anointed, you get a hot wife. I'm going to tell you, God will take care of her brother. Lady, you, ladies, you'll get your gifts in heaven. And so, but um, that's a little redneck right there, a little southern coming out. Oh, I'm blessed to be here. Pastor James and I were talking earlier, and I just, when I'm with him, I feel like the sons of thunder. If you don't know the sons of thunder, it's Peter, James, and John, where they would go, they would do things. Each one had their own gifting, their, anoint, their own anointing. And, and in just a moment, I'm going to share a word, because when I get with Pastor James, uh, and if I call him James, don't get offended. He's Pastor James, but if I call him James, because he's my brother. I don't call my, I don't call, uh, my brother Scott, who's also a pastor. I don't call him Pastor Scott. He's just Scott. And, um, but when I get with him, sparks start flying. Because iron sharpens iron. And something happens when I get on the phone with James. When I call him and he just starts telling me what God's doing in New Haven, or what God is doing in Jacksonville, or all the moves of God. And, and I believe that this house has been handpicked by the Lord. Now, many of you know that about two years ago, the Lord spoke to us to change our ministry from Mercy Seat Ministries to Remnant Ministries International. It was a major undertaking. Went through our lawyer, all the different stuff, and, 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 and all the things we had to do. But because the Lord spoke to me, he said, I'm going to raise up a remnant in America. The Bible says in Romans 11, verse 5, so too at the present time there's a remnant chosen by grace. And then the Lord began to speak to us. He said, I want you to begin to raise up people online to preach the gospel. So we launched something called RaiseTheRemnant.com. Pastor James has done a video with me where we talked about the revival in this house. And as I get ready to share the word in just a moment, if you're in this house and you go, you know what? And literally we saw, we believe to be over 45,000 uh, saved this year, real numbers, and we're believing for 100,000. How many of you believe with me? You know the number, the number 17, the number 17 means overcoming the enemy. And on December 23rd, I woke up and the Lord, and literally in the Hebrew, the number 17 is overcoming the enemy with great force. That's what this next year is about. That's what you're standing in right now. Everything that's been robbed from you is coming back. And you say, you know what? Listen, you need to know something. I am not the false prophet guy that will stand up and say something to enamor people. Because if you declare something and it is not from God, that is called witchcraft. Read Jeremiah. So I'm very, very careful about what I say. In fact, if I say something wrong, I will repent in the pulpit and fix it. Because you're not worth my night's sleep. Are you with me? I'm going to bed owing no man nothing. But I want, what I want you to understand is what I felt so strongly, even as Pastor James was, was sharing, I felt so strongly from the Lord for me to tell you, this is your year to recover everything that has been stolen. When the Bible says strengthen that which remains, he's talking about the remnant. It means the devil got some, but he didn't get it all. 
And all Jesus needs to do to heal blind is pick up a little bit of mud. Are you with me? Everything starts with a seed. With a seed of faith, I can move mountains. Begin to walk in places I never. My wife said to me a moment ago, right before I came to service, she said, you know what? This sickness that, that has come on my body, and it's pretty intense, uh, strep throat, all this stuff that hit in the last couple of days, she said, you know what? I'm not going into 2017 discouraged. I'm going in full of faith that the enemy is fighting what we're trying to do. How many of you believe that? Give God a praise offering right now. But as I get ready to break bread with you, as I get ready to share something that I promise, I'm going to go ahead and say this now because uh, contents of this message is harmful to your flesh. So some of you are going to leave mad, but that's okay. Because you have to understand, I've learned that when I get really mad about something, what, what did Augustine of Hippo say? Um, he said, hope has two beautiful daughters, anger and courage. Anger at the way things are, and courage to make sure they don't remain so. You have to understand, sometimes you got to get fired up at some stuff. And, and I'm going to say something out loud real strong in just a moment. Most of you do not understand what it truly means to live a free Christian life. Because, in fact, I wrote it down in a minute ago in the middle of worship. i got to read this to you because it's going to make it in the book, and then you'll say you heard it the first time. Most of our Christianity is guilt-ridden and offense-driven. And we don't know what it's like just to dance before him, just to be lost in his presence. But I asked my team to do something before I preached, and I've never... Uh, ask uh, that I can remember our team to do something like this. But how many of you heard me talk about the entrepreneurial anointing this morning? When the Lord spoke that to me, remember what I told you, Matthew 16, 19, he'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And then all of a sudden, I'm walking down the beach with Karen, and, and there in the water is, is, a, is a silver key. I gave the one I carry with me in my pocket to you this morning. It's just a dumb key, but it represents keys to the kingdom. That whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. How many of you know God will give you keys? So every month, he gives me a new key. Right now, we're writing the book, Rebuilding the Altars. Of America, because he told me that to bring altars only to the places that are ready for harvest and ready for souls. I can tell you this morning when I stood up here, I saw a, a prophetic room right here for people to come off the streets. Not, the, not where you have to go see a sorcerer, but you can come in here and God will all of a sudden. And on the other side, I saw healing rooms right up here. I'm going to say some bold stuff for just a minute. I'm not preaching yet. You have to understand, the Lord is trying to equip some of you, and this house will not grow until you get off your tail. And there are people in this room, and the Lord just showed me in the spirit. I saw people wearing doctor's uniforms and nurses' outfits. And you're going to be used by God to set people and liberate people and get them free. But until you rise up and go bold and get intense and grow, you got to grow, you got to grow, you got to grow. There comes a moment where you get off the breast milk. There comes a moment where you have to understand. It says you have 10,000 teachers, but you have not many fathers. That word teacher is pedagogos in the Greek. It was the slave assigned to get people to school. All they knew how to do was to get the kids to school, but they weren't fathers to them. We need fathers to rise up in this house for the kids in these streets. Are you with me so far? And if you want to grow this place, bring in the people nobody wants, and God will give you the ones everybody wants. And what's going to happen is this place is going to explode. I saw buses pulling up in front of this house, bringing in the kids that are hurting. That's what I just saw. I've never said this before, ever. And some of you need to get trained and equipped for the ministry. And if you're waiting on a, pay a paycheck to do the ministry, then you have not read the New Testament. Because you have to understand, I believe the entrepreneur in owning is rising up in the church where when pastor says, hey, I'll give you a check. You are so valued, I want to pay you. They go, no, 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 I'm going to give you a check. 
You, are you with me? See, I was raised up in the days. I uh, went to college in the 80s when, when it was all about getting a paycheck for the call. That is perverse prostitution of ministry. Should you be blessed? Yes, absolutely. Should you sow? Yes, absolutely. But what the Lord wants to do in this house is he wants to make people turn around and say, did you hear about what's happening in Engaging Heaven? He wants people to begin to turn and turn in the supermarket. Let me tell you about my church. Oh, you need it. You got it. You, you're, you're hurting. Just, just show up on Tuesday afternoon. We're going to prophesy over you. I'm serious. I've never said this about a church. But, and I've got to get into this word here in just a moment. But we're going to have fire in the altars in a moment. Expectancy is the birthplace of miracles. And some of you felt that frustration I talked about. Remember what I said this morning? Frustration and agitation are the mother of intercession. And when God begins to frustrate you, you can't be normal. I see people doing normal life, and I'm like, how boring. Because I have a John the Baptist anointing. That means eventually I'm going to lose my head. Amen. But. And I'm going to die offended because John the Baptist died offended. Because they came and they came to Jesus and said, John the Baptist is pretty ticked off because you said you came to set the captive free. And Jesus said, tell him, blessed is he who's not offended in me. But what you have to realize is, I believe this with all my heart. And Pastor James gave me permission to do this. And I normally never do this. But I'm asking in this room, and, I, and again, it's, it's awkward for me. I'm just not this guy. But I really feel it so strongly. If, if you would pray about being a part of Raise the Remnant on a monthly basis and supporting, we're missionaries to America. I'm not a missionary to the world. I'm a missionary to America. And if God speaks to you, become a partner to fill out one of these. Tomorrow morning, you'll get a video in your email box. You're a part of prophetic phone calls once a month. All of that kind of stuff. In fact, uh, I believe it's the 17th. James, I need you to be on a phone call to minister. And uh, we invite, it's called RaiseTheRemnant.com. And if you're willing to do it, if you'll raise your hand, my team will hand you one of these cards. But they'll also either give you the fasting series or the entrepreneurial series. And so just raise your hand if that's you. And uh, we'll give you one of these. And you can do whatever God tells you to do. And so our team is going to help. Just raise your hand. We'll hand this out to you. And you say, yeah, Pat and Karen, I will support you as missionaries to America. I never do this. But I felt it strongly. And it really isn't about what you can do for this ministry. It's about the fact that you can go on and watch videos, how to write a sermon, how to write a book. We give all of that to our partners. Uh, The finances, Pat and Karen, we do this whole thing, Pat and Karen in ministry, how to have marriage in ministry, how to flow in ministry as a husband and wife team. Every single week, we either go into the studio or we post a video that's in our archives, training for the call of God. And if you say, that's me, I want to be a part of it, because the Lord told us he would give us 7,000. So that we can go into cities and we can go into neighborhoods. And Pastor James and I were even just talking. I want to go to L.A. I want to walk into L.A. with James, uh, with Karen, with James and Mark Spitzbergen and rip that city apart for God. I mean, it's just a thing. And so just hold your hand up and they'll bring that to you. Open your Bibles very quickly if you would. I must preach something that's going to upset you. And I will promise you I won't mind being run out of town. But see, I've learned that purity is the backbone of authority, and authority is determined by brokenness. So when I'm sitting, and all of a sudden God drops upon me a new message, a key to the kingdom. In fact, I have to preach it. Because I will not be in condemnation to the call. But Lord, this isn't the fluffy stuff. This isn't the easy stuff. This isn't the fun stuff. This isn't where everybody's going to dance and shout, I have those messages, I'll do it next time. But when I walked in the room and I walked past Parham over there, who people hated for his message, 
who made his students stay up for three days till they got baptized in the Holy Ghost at the school of ministry. Who would walk in and do illustrated messages when nobody was doing that in the 1800s. When I look around this room and I see people, the sons of thunders are going to rise up. Those that are called to bring forth healing and revival throughout the land. And yet, you're sitting there and you're saying, here's what I want you to understand. I'm about to say some things. I hope you're ready. You ready? I'm about to prophesy over this house. Because there are people in this room that are called and God has put a wall in front of your calling. And the wall is called a fence. And everything you try, you're going to do it because you've spent most. You know what the, the, the problem is? I just wrote this in my new book. We are told from a young age up, if we have a good father, a good mother, a good grandfather, you're the best. You're going to conquer. You're going to do this. Anything you want to do, just set your mind to it. Your dreams are yours. Go conquer the world. We tell that to our kids. I've said it to my daughter. I've said it to my son. I said it to my grandson. In fact, the first time I held my grandson was two years ago this last week. And I held him in my arms and I, I did the Son of God movie. And I looked down, you know, because the Son of God movie has a Jesus with a British accent. And I just said, we're going to change the world. I did that for you, the British accent. You like it? Okay. Blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus. Totally not Jewish. And so I'm like, when did Jesus get that really cool accent? But now follow me. Some of you have been told your whole life, even in college, and you bought into humanism so intensely that you can do it. God's sitting back going, no, you can't. Not until you let me do it. The end of yourself is the beginning of God. You will never conquer anything on your own for the kingdom. Yes, the kingdom of God is, is hard work. I believe it. Man, we go, we go, we go. But it's about a total trust factor. And there's one area the enemy will use that will stop you from going to your anointing. To getting, some of you have been asking for healing in your body. It will not happen until you do what I'm about to tell you. You will not see miracles in your family. You will not see your marriage restored until you do the next thing I tell you. Because most of the American church is drinking a glass of poison called offense. You still with me? And we bounce from church to church to church and we treat God like a foster parent. And the minute we get mad, we call up social services and move me to the next church, God, until they figure out what we're really like. And so I must preach a message called, get this dummy off my back. And God gave it to me about two and a half months ago on a flight. And all of a sudden, he overwhelms me. I begin to write this. And I have to preach about this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. You have to understand. I believe when you get to heaven, listen, your dreams are only going to come at the level of your obedience. I'm, I'm dropping word bombs on you, so I hope you're getting this. There's a reason why the word die is right in the middle of the word obedience. Because you will never accomplish your dreams until God says, you got to die so I can reproduce you. The altar is all about death. It's smelly. It's gross. It's full of ashes. And most of the church is still eating the ashes off the last sacrifice from many years ago. And God says, I'm looking for those that will rise up and say, I've had enough. I, have you ever just wanted to be free? I've had two occasions in my life. One was October 13th, 2013. I got off a flight 
from preaching to hundreds of men. Saw God wreck all these men at this men's conference and spoke at a church. Flew in, I believe it was in Orlando. Flew home, got off the plane, went and met my wife. We went to the, the football field where my son played high school football. And we like to walk around the track. My daughter was just across the road at cheerleading practice. And it, my wife looked at me and she said, I want my husband back. Because nine months before, something had happened with my extended family. And I had gotten hurt very badly, and so did my brother. And I looked at her, and I said, I don't think that guy lives anymore. She said, you smile, you laugh, you, you, you put on the face, you preach with fire, but you're broken on the inside. And I took her by the hand, and I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk the length of this football field. And if God doesn't lift a fence off of me and I don't let this thing go, I'm quitting ministry because I will not pass out poison. And I took my, I'm, I'm being transparent. And I began to walk with Karen. As I began to walk, the word of God began to come out of me. I began to prophesy. People are walking with their family, pushing baby carriages. And I'm just like screaming. It's very Alabama. And the word starts coming out. I'm speaking in tongues. People are walking. It's 5 o'clock in the evening. Everybody's walking the track with their family. I mean, it's fun. You know, it's a beautiful area. And I'm walking across the football field where my son played high school football, where, where I had cheered many times in the stands, stood on the sidelines. And, and, and I'm walking across the very football field. And as I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, a word begin to play. And I get to the 50-yard line, and I'm, I've got tears rolling down my face. And I said, if God doesn't lift the offense, I've got to quit. I can't preach and give people my poison because I happen to believe when it says lay hands on no man suddenly I'm very careful if you walk up to lay hands on me I'm going to ask you about your purity don't give me your disease I have people walking to me all the time can I pray for you before you preach no and all of a sudden as I get to the 50 yard line I said uh, I said Karen Hadn't happened yet. And by the time I crossed the 10-yard line and stepped into the end zone, heaven opened up. And I started dancing before God as he lifted that thing off of me. You're not getting this yet. I've come to talk to you about your freedom tonight. I've come to talk to you about your next level. In fact, the Bible says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And, and, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you or offended you, as one version says, then leave your gift there. It's the only time Jesus said, leave the altar. First, go and reconcile them. Now, a message like this kind of produces weirdness. I'm just going to tell you it does. It's kind of like when you preach on how to prophesy, it just creates weirdness. So I'm not, I'm telling you right now, if someone in this room has offended you, don't go fix it after service. In fact, give it to God. You know how many people have walked up to me and said, I just want you to know, man, you really hurt me way back when. And, and you said something, and, and, and they're like, but now I'm free. And, I'm, and they gave it to me. I'm like, thank you. Because now I hate you. Bible says I got to tell you. I'm like, well, thanks, because you just handed your dead body to me. Let's not do that. Let's let it go tonight. We're going to get free of some stuff.
You want revival in this church. You want God to open the doors for your anointing. Listen to this sermon. This changed my life two and a half months ago because I'm reminded. In fact, by the way, March 4th of last year was the day that Remnant was released. And I got a prophetic word that the nation shall march forth. So March 4th is a big date. It's a very important date. And that was the release date of I Am Remnant. And so you have to understand for that book. But then I'm reminded about something else that took place. And that was... When a very well-known leader who pastors one of the largest seeker churches in America decided he would also write the book Unqualified. Nine months after mine came out. It was this last year. And I remember I was very upset about it because there's some rules and some other stuff that you don't do that. You don't use somebody else's title. And I just kept letting it go, kept letting it go. On the day of his release, my wife came up out of prayer and she says, the Lord says he gave you. Isaac, let him have Ishmael, forgive him, or we will not be blessed anymore. And all of a sudden, I went into my prayer room. Karen always hits me with the Holy Ghost stuff. And I go into my prayer room, and the Lord said, I want you to tweet about his book and tell everybody to go buy it. I'm like, are you serious? He knows what he did. We know each other. I'm like, fine. Instagram. Everybody go buy this book. Apparently God's speaking to the kingdom. Immediately, he came underneath it. This guy runs a church of about 30,000. Immediately. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, he comes up underneath it and puts, bro, I'm just drafting behind you. You had the idea first. Then he sent me a private message and said, please come preach at my church. And, and, and all of a sudden, I started getting phone calls from around America, very well-known people that you and I both know going, no, you shouldn't have done that. See, you have to understand in every situation, you either have a bucket of water or a bucket of gasoline. you got to choose what you're going to do with the fire. Within five minutes, someone donated to our ministry a large sum. I get in the car, my Bluetooth suddenly connects, which ticks me off when it does that. And a song is playing from his church, his worship team. And I'm like, okay, now that's overload. Stop it. But see, there's a moment when you say it's not worth carrying this junk anymore. Are you with me so far? In fact, look what Jesus said. Went on to say in Matthew chapter 6, he made a very powerful statement. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, in prayer there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. We don't preach this. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. So what did Jesus say? Hey, if you're mad at somebody, leave your offering and go fix it. And then we go on the very next chapter. He makes a statement. He says, hey, you want my grace? You got to give, my, you got to give grace. So I must preach this simple word titled, get this dummy off my back, because it's about to get real, because some of you don't realize Jesus tore the veil not for you to sew it back up with your worry and offense. And I've learned you only love Jesus as much as you love your worst enemy. And the Lord said to me at 4.30 this afternoon, you're going to preach that tonight. It's not what I plan to preach. He said, it's what's stopping this place. Every time I'm speaking, pastor's not told me anything, so don't get mad at him. Get mad at me. Write emails. I love spam filter. Go on TV. Trust me. You'll get them. I love those death threats. Because then I just reverse the curse. Nope, you're going to die. <laughs> Am I getting too real tonight? I mean, I didn't even wear a jacket tonight. I'm just, I'm just rolling up sleeves. We're just going. We're going to do surgery. But what you have to understand 
is there comes a moment where you will never make it to the throne of God unless first you fall at the altar of forgiveness. And the anointing is worth everything you have to give up in order to keep it. And I'm reminded of when all of a sudden I forgave that guy and I forgave some family members. I'm like, I have been living in pent-up bondage for years. In fact, I would have to say my constant companion for the last 27, 28 years of ministry has been a guy by the name of offense. It's what drove me when I first went into ministry. I'll prove everybody wrong. I was watching the college football teams. They love it when they're picked as the underdog. Because they have an offense to declare in the locker room. And what you have to understand is, now listen to me, peace overwhelmed me. And the Bible says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Do you understand? There are so many powerful stories in the Bible about offense. Whether it was Jacob and Esau, Moses and Zipporah. You think your marriage gets messed up sometimes? Read about those two. She tried to kill him all over circumcision, which makes it really weird. How many people did God marry in Jesus? Remember when Lazarus died? Martha runs the road to meet Jesus, and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus goes, well, where's Mary? You know, the worshiper. Where's Mary? Oh, she didn't come, Lord. She's offended. And he said, I'm going to stand here till she comes. They go and get Mary. Mary comes and meets Jesus on the road because it wasn't the stench of death that kept him from his best friend Lazarus. It was a stench of religion. If you'd have been here, Lord, when God had a greater work mentality, I'm allowing this to happen so I can show you this. He did away with the old to create the new, the Bible says. Listen to me. It's Paul and Barnabas. It's David and Saul. It's David and his brothers. So can I teach you tonight about my favorite story? This should be an epic movie. This is better than Star Wars. When you begin to study the life of a guy by the name of Joseph. And tonight I must preach this simple word called get this dummy off my back. And if you'll do this at the end of the service, you'll have your miracle. You will have abundance open in your finances. You will physically suddenly start changing. Things will start happening to you. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in this place. If you'll get, and, and remember what I said, don't go to anybody and just say, you have offended me. Simply go to them and say, I love you. Because you don't need to voice it. But there comes a moment where you make up your mind. I'm pastoring you for just a second because he's my brother, so he'll let me do that. I'm telling you, I don't need you to go fix it. I need you to let it go. It's that Frozen song. Let it go. Let it go. Cold never bothered me anyway. Now watch. Tonight is the night where the anointing gets released on your life for your next. This is the year 2017 where we overcome the enemy. The year where you start dreaming again. The year you, where you start having miracles take place and you quit living off everyone else's story of revival and you start living in revival. This is the year where you quit talking about yesterday's move of God and you say, but you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to have a move of God tomorrow. This is the year where you start stepping up and saying, watch my God be big. Watch my God handle this 
situation. You need to get what I'm saying. Some of you are still mad about the election. I don't need a donkey or an elephant. I got a lamb and, and a lion. And there comes a moment where you begin to realize, I ain't worried about any of that kind of stuff because I don't live in the kingdom of America. I can live in the kingdom of God. And my anointing that he has chosen me, I want to get to heaven with nothing left to do. I've been a cave dweller long enough. I've been on the backside long enough. I murdered somebody back there, and for 40 years, God ain't spoke. But I've come to tell you, there's a burning bush in the room tonight. And he's saying, throw down what you have. Throw down what you've been leading with. What did, he, what did Moses throw down? He threw us down a staff that turned into a snake. And God said, now go pick it up by the tail. In other words, Moses had been leading by his serpent mentality. And God says, this is the night where you come into freedom. Watch this video. What y'all laughing at? You should have seen me ordering this on the plane. <laughs> Honest to God, I'm walking on a plane. I sit down. There's a lady sitting next to me, and she's being all busybody up inside of there. She looks over at my phone. I'm pulling up, find dummies, find dummies. And there's the dummies popping up. Look like dead bodies. She looked at me, and I said, it's neat, isn't it? Because God hit me walking on the plane. He said, order a dummy. So I brought a friend with me. His name is Offender. Because he turns off my joy and he ends my peace. In fact, this guy has been my friend for years. He's the one that helped me grow one of the largest of three youth ministries in America at one point. Pushed to never sleep. Pushed to prove the world wrong. Hoping I'd get offended in a staff meeting so I could show that staff pastor on that church of 12 staff members. I got the best ministry. See, I have learned some things. Let me tell you the story about a kid that walked in favor, and favor's never fair. I don't understand favor. But we live in the most offended nation in the world. We get upset about everything in the church except the lost. And if you've had a fence rise up in the last six months, that tells me two things. The enemy is trying to neutralize you, and revival is close. I don't know any of your story. I love him so much that he doesn't. He, he lets me show up and not know anything about your church. I love that. Because some pastors, they throw up on you the night before. I ain't joking. I'm like, well, there goes the prophecy. 
But I have learned this. Dreamers are always subject to rejection. Deal with it. It's part of it. I love the story of Joseph. Because here's what you have to understand. No obstacle will ever leave you the way it, you found it or it found you. And so you have to understand there's a moment where you come to the corner of destiny and circumstances and you can continually run into your circumstances and get mad and get offended at everybody or step into your destiny and let it be fuel to push you into the thing called grace. But follow me for a second. Let me set the scene. Here is a young man by the name of Joseph. He's my favorite. Because Joseph had every opportunity to get mad, and he never did. He was Joel Osteen on steroids. I mean, brother, just smiling through life. That was wrong, wasn't it? I shouldn't have said it. Please delete that. Just smiling. Hey, I just killed somebody. Awesome. You're the best. Now watch. And then the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, now watch, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. I love this family. He said to them, listen to me, listen to this dream I had. We were building sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and, and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now this is younger brother. Dad had given him a new coat. He had an Armani. He comes pulling up in the nicest Ferrari camel you can have. He has no calluses on his hands. He's the firstborn of Jacob and Rachel. Then there's the other side of the family, the Leah side. And you remember she had kind of them crooked eyes. She wasn't that pretty. So the Bible says, I'm just quoting the word. And they are listening to him about his favor because he was so anointed at a young age, he didn't know how to handle it. And then he jumps over to Genesis 37, verse 19. Look what it says right here. All of a sudden they said, here comes the dreamer. They're out in the field. They're hot and sweaty. They're exhausted and they're tired. And they said to each other, come now, let's kill him. This sounds like a family reunion from Redneck Land. There are some families that should never have reunions. Somebody's going to die. You got your T-shirt on. Johnson family reunion. And there's a blood hole right in the middle of it. Now listen. And the Bible says, at that exact moment, they said, come now, let's kill him. And they throw him into one of the cisterns, and they say that a ferocious, and let's tell dad, that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. I love that. Here comes this dreamer. But see, what Joseph didn't understand is God had a greater purpose, and everybody wants the billboards without the wilderness. And if God's going to use you greatly, he's got to crush you deeply. You're going to have to go through some things. You may have the giftings on this side, but you don't have the brokenness on this side. And you're just dangerous right now. God wants to anoint you to do amazing things. And you got all these crazy dreams, but you don't understand the calling of God without the timing of God will result in the absence of God. And there is a season where God will give you a dream at 16 years old. Right after I got saved, I had a prophetic dream of preaching in this massive stadium. I told everybody about it. It was exactly 20 years later, later at 36 years old when I walked out on the platform at Hillsong in Australia. And I went, oh my gosh, there's the dream for 20 years ago. But I had to go through some things. It's kind of like some of you are offended right now because people have prophesied over you and it hasn't happened. But you don't understand that a prophecy is not 
not fixed. You've got to pray into it, and you've got to live the lifestyle and do the little steps that lead up to it. And nobody ever prophesies over the quiet days. And the greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. You want God to use you while the crowd is screaming for you. And God says, I can't. I can't. I will not share you with the world. I have called you to be a part. I've called you. Mm. And what you've got to understand is they could tolerate the coat but they couldn't handle the dream. And so the Bible says in Genesis 37, verse 23, and I'm going to come back to this in a moment. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty because there was no water in it. I could preach on that for days right there. You want the blessing of God without making a deposit. That's another thing. But the minute Joseph got put in it, it changed the cistern into a well because Joseph's very name means Jehovah will add to. At this moment, here's Joseph. They throw him in the cistern and they leave him. In fact, they were going to kill him, but thank goodness for Levi, who would later be put over the sanctuary cities to protect everyone. Levi is another whole story, all because Levi stepped up and said, don't kill him, just leave him. And they leave him in the hot sun, in this hole in the ground. He cannot get out. It's a bowl dug out to catch the water when it would finally rain. And the Ishmaelites came by. And they load him up on a donkey. He's tied down. He's been beaten up. His robe is now gone. He's on this thing, and he's bouncing through the desert on his belly. I would have quit at that moment. Forget it. You gave me the dreams, God, but it's not happening. Because most of our obedience to God is determined by the circumstances, and thus you want God to be married to a bipolar bride. Some days we love him, other days he's made me mad. Don't read my book, Why Is God So Mad At Me? Then I don't mess with you. But tonight I want to get rid of the dummy that will save your family. What are you talking about, Pat? Listen to me, write this down. I can't carry you and my cross. And I've learned that the dreams that God gives you, he gives you those to push you through the nightmares that you will surely face. Jesus said in John 16, in this life you're going to have many troubles and sorrows, but take heart, I overcame the world. He never promised you would not walk through some hell at some point. So quit acting like Christianity is supposed to be a bed of roses. If you believe that, go talk to the Christians fleeing for their life in Iraq right now. There comes a moment where you begin to understand that, there, that, that we serve a God that says, I've got you. i got this dummy on my back for a reason tonight because I've carried one all the way through ministry and you will never carry your cross as long as you're carrying a fence I'm reminded of the ancient Roman Empire when, and they still do this today as a matter of fact if you murdered somebody they would take the dead body and tie it to the man and you would have to carry the dead body through the streets. And as this body was decomposing, it was putting the poison from skin to skin into the person carrying its body. And eventually that person would get so sick that they would die because of the poison they were carrying. 
So when Paul, who understood the Romans, because he was a Roman citizen, when Paul, a very wealthy one at that, Paul understood this. So when he wrote Romans 7, verse 24, what a wretched man that I am, talking to the Romans, they understood this. Uh, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He was talking to them about the fact that they understood Roman law. You're carrying around a dead man. Paul was talking about Romans 7, Romans 8, Romans 9, talking about the difference between spirit and flesh. But he was also talking about... You have to understand, he knew what they meant, what, what, he, what, what that scripture meant by carrying around a dead body. Church, listen to me. Then Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must desire, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. What do you mean? Before I can carry the cross, i got to get rid of some things. Some of you, God's been waiting to use you. Have you ever noticed at the moment you're about to have your breakthrough, you're about to get married, something happens. You're about to have a baby, family member offends you. The enemy knows your trigger points. He knows, I know what I'll do. I'll rob them of their joy. Instead of standing up every morning at the end of your bed and understand that he keeps in perfect peace. Peace is not an emotion. It's a place you have to choose to live. Why? Because it's a peace that passes my understanding. I'm going to live in peace. Every morning I draw a circle around me and say, God, do revival in the circle first. I'm not worried about what's happening with everybody else. I'm not walking around angry at everybody else. I'm going to make up my mind. It's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a, a gate locked with bars. Listen to me. Put me around somebody free from offense and I'll put you around somebody. That's why I love Dr. Mark. Put me around somebody that doesn't let anything bother them and they're just like, I'm going forward. I don't care if anybody invites me. I'll just go to a nation. I'll just walk into Kashmir and just see what we can do there. Put me around somebody that is not worried about anybody getting offended and that could care less and they're like, I'm not going to get offended. I'm free of that. I've grown up in the Lord. Listen, there is a moment where, what does Hebrews 5 says? By now you ought to be. You ought to be teaching, but you're still a student. You ought to be eating meat, but you're still drinking milk. You know what milk is? Milk is something digested by somebody else. And you also find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which proves Paul probably wrote Hebrews. But what you have to understand is there is a moment where you begin to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Put me around somebody that is free of offense, and we'll change the world together. You can do nothing to me tonight that offends me because I have made up my mind. Oh, I've made up my mind. Say what you will. Do what you will. It don't matter. I'm going to praise him. And I'm not living in the valley with you when I'm on a mountaintop with him. I have made up. Oh, you're not even going to have church with me tonight, are you? That's fine. I'll listen to the saints in the heavens cheer because God spoke to me one time. I try to work out once a year. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, never desire to hear the cheer from the crowd, but listen for the cry from the cloud. So if you won't shout, they will. They're shouting right now saying, tell them, tell them, tell them. We walked into heaven and we realized we had carried junk. It made us old. It put, it put lines on our face. It wore us out. But there comes a moment, and I'm talking to those that are 55 and up in this room, those that have allowed things throughout the years to pile up, and you need to defrag your computer because now you've gotten slow with it. And there comes a moment where you say, I want this off of me. I am not going to worry. It doesn't matter what the dead father did or the dead mother did. It doesn't matter anymore. There's a moment where you say, I love love you, but forgetting what is behind me, I am pressing. And if you've never been offended, you've never lived. Because all dreamers are subject to offense. 
And what you got to realize is the constant uh, companion of the dreamer is called offense. And when you begin to realize, I looked up the word in, in the Hebrew. It means to rebel or transgress. That's what it means. It, the word offense is scandalizo or scandalize. It literally means to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way, impediment in the way upon which a mother, uh, another may fall. To cause to fall away. A trap, a snare, to be forced to bow. You know what offense is in the Greek? It means it now owns you. You have become a puppy to the offense. I can look at our demon-possessed Yorkie. Legion. I can look at Legion, and I can literally say, go stand in the corner, and she'll sit there for a second. I say, go to the corner, and she'll just, and she, we make her sit on a pad until she learns her lesson. Yeah, my God. They guard the gates of hell, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> ours almost died this week because she tried to attack our grandson listen you got to die i'm so sorry your sentence is death can i tell you something many of the greatest are buried with others in their casket i know great preachers that have died that died with other people I mean, I could name their names and it'd blow your mind. But they got hurt. Because I've learned the more you love people, the easier it is to get stabbed. Because you like. But there's a moment. It's Philippians 3, forgetting what is behind me. It's Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bone. To ask God to allow you, listen to me. I'm talking, I'm, I'm treating everybody in here like you're going to preach the Crusades. That's what I feel in my spirit. And God, to ask God to never allow you to walk through the wilderness of despair is to ask God to use you without proof of persistence. Heaven's opened up. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then at that moment, if I was Jesus, I would have sent out newsletters. I would have sent out flyers. I'm doing a crusade. I mean, y'all just got a PA announcement from heaven. The whole world heard it. They heard it in Connecticut that day. Any, I mean, the whole world heard it. Heavens were rent. Heavens were torn in half. God said, that's my boy. And what does Jesus do? Holy Spirit says, come on. Let's go. Let's go face down three temptations that cover every sin. In fact, you're not going to eat or drink for the next 40 days there, Jesus. And when Satan comes to you and tries to offer you the world, you're going to have to be able to stand, not in the middle of the 40 days, at the end of 40 days when you're almost dead. You can't even hold your head up because you are dehydrated. You have no food in your body, no water. Then you tell the devil where he can go. And then after he conquered the three temptations, the Bible says at that exact moment, at that exact moment, he comes out of the wilderness being led of the Holy Spirit and his fame spread far and wide. Some of you want the anointing and the supernatural and the fame without paying the price. You want God to blow this church up? You want to explode it? You want to be packed out? It will have nothing to do with social media. It will have nothing to do with branding. It will have to do with all of a sudden, I heard about this church. There's a place you can go and you can get delivered. There's a place you can go and get healed. There's a place you can go and, and, and go to this one part of the balcony and get healed. Another part you can get prophesied over. There's a place you can go where the pastor loves people and he doesn't smell like green rooms. He smells like sheep. There's a place you can go where all of a sudden your anointing can be. Are you getting this? Why? To, what you have to understand, 
offense has the ability to quiet the dream and relinquish the call. There are so many people that should be preaching or doing business or doing ministry or doing something great, but they're sitting in their house and they're mad waiting on somebody else to die. In fact, you need to understand when you live in the land of lost dreams, pettiness begins to prevail. And some of you, God has been waiting to use you. You didn't know you were getting this tonight. But I thought we are going to have miracles. If you get this, you'll have a miracle. You get this, you'll get healed tonight. I asked the Lord, I said, give me the key to people being healed in America because we rarely see it anymore. And he said, I cannot heal them because they're offended. And most of us, when we got hurt by that dad that never showed up or that mom that walked out on us or somebody that left us, you began to waste away at the point you got hurt. And then you also force your entire family to live in your prison called offense and tiptoe around your feelings. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, as a senior pastor, I got so tired of pastoring people's offenses because we build our theology off our pain. What would happen if we came in next Sunday morning and there's such joy inside of us that we begin to dance? We begin to just go, well, that's not New England. No, well, that's heaven, so. What would happen if we begin to praise him past the point we got hurt? Your water level and the Holy Spirit in this place would rise. Something would shift. Something would change. Something would rise up. Colossians 1 verse 13, he, del he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us in into us the kingdom of the son of his love. I honestly believe the Pharisees attacked Jesus because they were offended at God for not showing him to them first. In fact, you have to understand, Matthew 15, verse 12, Jesus starts telling them what they can and cannot eat. He totally went against all the traditions because he came to abolish that. And, and all of a sudden, the disciples walked up to Jesus and said, hey, in Matthew 15, verse 12, you do know the Pharisees are offended at you, right? <laughs> I think that fueled Jesus, like, let's do it again. Oh, by the way, you clean the outside of the tombs of the very prophets you buried. Oh, by the way, you wash the outside of your cup when your cup's filthy. He just said things to tick them off. But Revelation 3, verse 2, wake up, strengthen what remains. It means hell did not get everything from you. There's a seed there that God wants to use. It's Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things God works for the good who are called to his purpose. The word purpose means created for public display. If you don't go through it, how do you minister to it? What you've been through is a great indication of who you're called to. The word purpose means created for public display. So what I went through back there, the hell I went through over there, has given me a microphone to declare him up here. I'm not letting it win anymore. Give my God a praise. Can I tell you this? And I'm right. This is a chapter from the new book. Offense is the antidote for revival. I have studied the revivals. I can tell you them. I've read the history of this church. I can tell you this, the history of, of Azusa Street. I can tell you the history of the greatest moves of God from Wales. I can tell you the, the, the Welsh revival. I can tell you about the great revivals. I can tell you about Brownsville. I preached there. I can tell you about Toronto. I can nearly every one of those, one of two things happened. Pride or offense got in. In fact, strife, offense, envy, and discord are the tombstones of past revivals. How many pastors on that wall in this foyer died hurt?
And there are people all over this city drinking the poison from the veins of a serpent called offense. Every time our church would start to explode, somebody would get mad. Somebody would send Ballot and Tobias, start writing letters. Until I made up my mind, like Nehemiah, hey, keep writing your letters. I got a sword in one hand and a brick in the other. We're going to build this thing. And he walked into the ruins of a city and dug through and found the altar and rebuilt it first. You want God to use you? You want God to restore you? You got to fix some things. You got to let some things go. I wonder how many people, their children, you're going to die before your children know you really love them. And what you have to understand, unity is what fertilizes the tree of life. I'll prove it to you. Acts 2, 1, one mind, one accord. Psalms 133, behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell in unity. You want to take a, you want to remove revival? Remove unity. All through the word of God, when they had revival, they came together, one mind, one accord, all in the same place, all speaking the same language. Study the book of Acts. Romans 12, 4 says, many parts, one body, all working in unity. Romans 15, verse 6, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father. All through the word of God, Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, the prophets are saying, get your unity back and you'll see things you've never seen before. But now, because we're offended, we start picking picking and choosing when we want to be a part of the church because we're offended. I might show up to that. And our, our very salvation, our very fire of God, our very joy of the Lord is dependent upon what now has taken place in past. And God says, I'm new every morning. Let me fix this thing. Let me restore this thing. Are you getting this? The very first phenomenal national split took place at the upper room. 1 Corinthians 15 says that, that, that and Paul wrote, Jesus told 500 to go to the upper room. 380 said, nope, you know what? I'd rather have the, the cross of grace. But only 120 chose the room of fire and the cross of grace. It was the first denominational split. You have to realize we have allowed the enemy to divide us the same way he did at the tree in the Garden of Eden. God don't know that much. That's what he said to Adam and Eve. He's just trying to keep you from being smart, Eve. And the enemy is dividing, dividing, dividing. And then God comes walking through the cool of the evening. And you're back there covering your nakedness. And God says, what happened? Who did this? And immediately Eve goes, it was the snake. See, there comes a moment. Church, we got to learn to say grace. But this isn't a revival message. You want revival? Let this hit you this, this evening. You better learn to say grace. What is grace? What do you mean? 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you can through his poverty might become rich. I love what George Bush said. He made a powerful statement after the, 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 the shootings in Dallas. He said, too often we judge others by their worst examples while judging ourselves by our best intentions. Can, is it okay if I preach something like this? Ephesians 2 verse 8, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, and, and, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Church, if grace save you, saved you, then to not forgive someone means you believe your offense to be greater than your personal testimony. You're not getting that, I'm going to say it again. If grace saved you, and you can't forgive someone else, it means you believe your offense to be greater than your own story. Why do you think Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, 
If you want me to forgive you, you got to forgive others. But Pat, this isn't a shouting revival message. Oh, it is. Because you had not walked through what I've walked through. I can look back at my personal timeline and every time we started to go to another level in our marriage, in our family, in our ministry, the enemy tried to bring offense. And we have a generation with crutches of offense instead of wings of fire. And God says, I've had enough. And it's Mark eleven twenty five. 25. It says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father may also in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. The grace you offer others better be in direct correlation to the grace that you have received. Are you getting this so far? Colossians 3, verse 13, bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgives you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The anointing, oh, I gotta, you got to get a hold of this. this his wrote, I wrote this in two hours sitting on the plane. The anointing I carry will never reach maturity until I offer the same grace that allowed me to relinquish my past. And if you never let go of those who hurt you in your past, you will never have the ability to love those in your future. And God says, I am looking for somebody in this place that will let go of early years of ministry that crushed you, that came against you. Well, this pastor did this to me, or this person did this to me, or this evangelist did this, or I saw this done with the money, or this guy did that, or this girl had the affair. Get over it! You're putting faith in dirt instead of heaven. And to forgive is to release grace. And you're actually handing someone a ticket to your freedom. I'm about to close. When I forgive them, I'm actually getting a ticket to my own freedom. Not make excuses for what they did. The Bible doesn't say forgive and forgive. It says learn. It means I'm going to watch for the knife next time. Because i got to be a dove and a serpent. But I have made up my mind. I'm not carrying anybody else around. I have made up my mind. I'm going to live in freedom. You want revival to hit this town? You want New London, Connecticut to see a move of God? Walk with the joy of the Lord. Watch when you let go of those who hurt you. You want God to anoint you and raise you up? you got to do some soul searching. you got to get on your face and say, I've been asking for grace, and that's why I live under guilt, because grace has not been extended, because I won't extend it. You're asking God to give you something you don't possess for others. Revival's coming to this city. This church has been used for everything in the world, from wedding chapels to whatever. And God said, I'm going to give it one more chance. One more chance. I found a man that will come that will lead a movement here. He'll start feeding the hungry with a whole group of people that don't need the spotlight because you'll never be in the shadow if you want the spotlight. My son said that. You have to understand. I, Pat, why would you preach this? This is not what I was going to preach. But I mean, at 4.30 this afternoon, the Lord said, you want to know why this city is dying? I said, yeah. He said, because the whole town is offended. That's why they don't mind voting for abortion. Because if you don't ever feel loved, you'll never feel like you can vote for babies to live. I've never said that in my life, and that's offensive to you. Get over it. 
I want you to have to understand God sent me to share this with you. In fact, you'll never be a giver as long as you're offended. You'll treat your tithe like something you can hold back. And you're eating your seed while your family is starving spiritually. When you are a giver, why? Because the Bible says, Leviticus 9, bring your offering to the altar. You'll stop being a tither when you're offended. I'm withholding my money. Oh, my God. Why don't you just go out there, run up to a prison, say, excuse me, release all the murderers. Let them come to my street. Tonight I'm sleeping with my door unlocked because that's what you do when you don't pay your tithe. And let me just go ahead and make another statement. I'm a tither over and above crazy giver. But I don't tithe to my ministry because I'm not eating my seed. I tithe to my covering. Why? To my church. Why? Because I don't give our tithe to Remnant Ministries International. You know why? Because bottom line, there was a reason why Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. He couldn't come from two sons that were avenging their sister's death. And he couldn't come from the other one that was involved in incest. And when you are a giver to yourself and not to the bride, you're involved in incest. So Jesus or God had to jump three tribes and go to Judah, the worshipers. Listen to what I'm saying. So Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, the tribe of worshipers. He couldn't come from Levi. couldn't come from Simeon. Why? Because you have to understand, there is a moment where you begin to realize, and I'm not even meaning to trip over this, but I got stuck on it for just a moment, that when you're a giver, it rebukes the devourer. Prove it to you. Three years ago, I may have told you this story before. I went to get on a plane, 5.30 in the morning, going through Atlanta, wherever I was going to preach. You got to go through Atlanta to go to heaven. I'm sitting on the runway. My wife calls. My wife, my daughter had come, went and got in bed with Karen. Karen, for whatever reason, locked the bedroom door after she kissed me goodbye. And she says to me, someone is in the house. And I could hear them banging, not on our front door, the bedroom door trying to get in. My plane is going down the runway. I immediately call my assistant, Quentin. I said, get to my house. Call the police. Someone's, the plane is going down the runway. There's no aborting the, the plane. There's nothing. I'm taking off for 30 minutes. I'm out of touch with the world. For 30 minutes, I don't know what's happening. For 30 minutes, I rejoiced. For 30 minutes, I worshiped. For 30 minutes, I said, uh-uh, uh-uh. Do you know the first thing that hit me when I thought somebody was trying to take my babies from me, take my wife from me? I began to say out loud on the plane, I pay my tithe. It's the first thing that hit me. I went, oh, I rebuked that devourer. They got to the house. The police got to the house. They went upstairs. They went downstairs. Whoever was there left. I don't know what they saw, but I'm going to rent it when I go to heaven at Blockbuster, Holy Ghost Blockbuster, because I guarantee you, whoever tried to break in my house saw the biggest, baddest angels saying, I don't know what you think you're doing, but you can't come into this place. They rebuked the devourer. They pay the, somebody give my God a shout. I'm not even, I, I got I to get done. I'm sorry, I've gone long, and, 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 but I have, I have to share this with this house. In fact, my wife and I have made up our mind. We know there's some settings we go into we're probably going to get offended, so we do this. We stop before we get in the car and say, we choose to forgive before it happens. Hello, Christmas, family gathering. We really did. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting too drunk. Turn off the internet. Watch. 
And this is what I want to say to you. My surroundings don't determine my destiny. Even in the pit. Even in the prison. Even in the palace. He chose to walk in forgiveness. Just study the timeline of Joseph. From the pit into slavery at 17 years old, taken to Egypt, he fought the offense. Sold to Potiphar. Every house he went into, he had three different jackets, prophet, priest, and king, just like Jesus. Three times he lost his jacket. Goes into Potiphar's house, who, by the way, was the head executioner. Potiphar raises him up. He comes over that house. Then you know what happens? He has Favram, becomes the head of Potiphar's house. He's a slave living in favor. Oh, watch. He never got mad. Even when Potty tried to take him down. That's Potiphar's wife, Potty. Church, listen to me. The very stones you have hung on to to throw at others work best when they're placed and built an altar. The very thing you could kill somebody with looks better as an altar. And there comes a moment, never once did he get angry. You do not see Joseph getting angry. He's good looking. Potiphar's wife would rather have a slave than a prime minister. And then all of a sudden, Genesis 39 verse 11, she tries to seduce him. He runs. He loses another jacket. The brother could not hang on to a jacket. Next thing you know, she accuses him. He gets put in prison. He fought the offense. He goes. He meets a cupbearer and a baker. He says, hey, listen, here's what your dreams mean, but don't forget me. They get out of prison. They forget him. He fought the offense. Genesis 40, verse 8, he tells them their, what their dreams mean. Then by Genesis 40, verse 14, he says, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this prison. Next thing you know, he's in charge of the prison. Listen, you ain't getting this. Because he's made up his mind to rejoice in persecution, made up his mind to praise regardless of what hell was coming against him. Every single time, they were forced to elevate him. You could be working for a taskmaster. You might be working in absolute hell every day, but if you will walk in freedom, they'll be walking up to you giving you raises when you don't even deserve it. They forget him. He fought the offense. Listen, if you don't take offense, if you don't let it destroy you, God will make you ruler of the place that was created to destroy you. And God says, I want you to understand, when offense is going to sink you, Make up your mind. I don't know about you. I would have quit at this point. This is it. I'm done. I would have stopped at this point. Then Genesis 41, Pharaoh has a set of dreams. It would allow Joseph, they, somebody remembered him. Said, hey, there's this guy in prison. Yeah, he told me my dream. The other guy had died. Joseph walks up and says, hey, there's a famine coming. Next seven years, you need to corner the market on commodities. Famine hits Egypt seven years later. You're not getting this yet. I'm done. He is now number two in the land. He's a slave. He is the chief magistrate of the land. One morning, he's in prison. The next evening, he's a prime minister. Famine strikes. Everyone is starving. The only way they get food is they have to come to Egypt to get food. You know what I've learned? 
Joseph is proof you can have revival in the midst of the famine. And let me show you the reward for not holding on to their fence. This is such a simple, different word. By Genesis 42, his offenders, the ones who started this whole thing, the ones who put him in the pit, are starving. And dad says, go to Egypt and get us some food. But they don't know that they're about to meet the one that they threw in the pit 20 years before. Next thing you know, they're standing in front of Joseph, and he looks at his brothers, and he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And all of a sudden, as he's sitting there, he realizes he has them caught. He says, I need to get my family here. i got to fix this thing. So he accuses one of them being a spy, hides a cup in the basket. They go to leave. He accuses one of being a spy, keeps him in jail. In fact, the Bible even says in verse 24 that he sees his brothers and he starts crying. See, you want God to use you, you're going to have to go through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping. The Bible says that Jesus wept every day throughout his life. And there comes a moment, by verse 24, he sees his brothers, he starts weeping, and, and that's when you know you've overtaken what meant to destroy you when you can still weep for someone. Finally, by Genesis 43, verse 16, he invites them to his house, makes a meal for him. In fact, verse 29, once again, he has to go outside and cry. And then the big reveal comes. And he looks at them in Genesis chapter 45, verse 7. And I'm done right here. And he looks at them and he says this. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant. Everybody say remnant. On earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Do you understand the nation of Israel was preserved at this exact moment? We would not have Israel. Because the Bible goes on to say, now watch. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He looks at his brothers and says, you didn't get me into this place. God did. Because he took what was meant to destroy me. To preserve for him a remnant. Now hurry back to father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. Can you see him? They go home. They walk in the door. Where's Benjamin? Oh, he, we lost him. Hey, I'm dad. Remember that whole story about Joseph getting eaten and torn up by the animals? And Yeah. He's alive. And he's in charge. And the very next verse says that Jacob's spirit revived. revived his son was dead but now he was alive and they go back to Egypt this is the biggest part you got to get hold of this oh dear God and the Bible says by Genesis 46 verse 10 that all the tribes of Israel came and ate and they, would, they were all starving you're, not, you're still not getting it his brother Levi brought his whole family Levi had his daughter with him, a little girl by the name of Jochebed, who was the mother of Moses. If he had not let them, 
I don't know. I just said, y'all go, y'all go die. Y'all go starve. But by letting go of his offense, never getting offended, Moses would be a product of his forgiveness and deliver the people. So what do I do about this dummy on my back? Psalms 55, cast your cares upon me. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let me throw off everything. Psalms 23, you serve a six-course meal right in front of my enemies. So what if tonight, I'm done, come help me, Sarah. What if tonight, why would you preach this, Pat? I don't know. You tell me. What if tonight this house said, I'm casting on you, God. I can't carry what my mama did. I can't carry what my dad did. I can't carry what my last pastor did. I can't carry this thing anymore. Because my anointing is greater than my pain. Jesus said, go reconcile. Jesus said, don't come to me and ask for grace if you cannot give grace. Matthew 5 and 6. Do you know why? I'm about to give you some mess with your theology. You come up and ask forgiveness a thousand times for watching porn. And by that afternoon, it's back on you. It's because the enemy has not allowed you to get free. Because you're still carrying other people. It's just one of the reasons. There's many reasons. You don't understand boundaries. You don't understand. Bless a pure in heart, but they shall see God. You're never going to see God without a pure heart. That's just facts. I was preaching in a service recently. And there was a man that was dying of cancer. And I said to him when he came up, they brought, he had oxygen on and all this stuff. And the family was weeping. I whispered in his ear, has people ever hurt you? Yeah. Why don't we give it a shot? Even if you're not healed, at least you'll die free. majority of our illnesses can be tied to offense and I don't have time to go deep into that somebody did something to you and who wants revival in this city now don't, don't shout because you really don't because if revival comes it's going to mess your, your neat little church up You're sitting in a building where fire came out of the manholes. You're sitting in a church that nearly died. Because somewhere along the way they worshiped the building and not the builder.
And they decided it was more important to have monuments than a movement. And that's how you turn into Lot, his wife. And what God sent me to tell this church, hotel room, 4.30 this afternoon, he said, you're going to preach on offense. I said, oh, no, 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 Lord, I want to brag on you. I want to have miracles. I want to lay hands on everybody. Preach on offense. You sell 45 houses. You won't. Forgetting what's behind me. You're asking God to take you into your destiny while you're still chained to yesterday. How that going to happen? But you will sell 45 houses. You want God to launch you into ministry to do great things? You have a choice. Come and sit and ask a thousand questions or go try it and bring a thousand scars back. All these kids I've raised up and launched in ministry, over 800 preaching the gospel. It's the ones that quit calling. About three years later, they call and go, help. I say, why don't you keep calling? Well, because you didn't have time to take my call one day. Oh, I'm sorry, I traveled. No, sir. I don't care what you did to my mama. I don't care what you did to my grandfather. I don't care what happened to me in first grade or my first year of college. I don't care what happened in the backseat of a car. I don't care that others have called me illegitimate. I don't care that people didn't believe in my anointing. Are they supposed to? Is that in the Bible? That's actually not in the Bible. It's not, it's not your job to believe in their anointing. It's not in the Bible. So stop. I'm going to tell you what. Jesus, I, I need my dad healed. He's got cancer. Leave your offering. Go fix it. Jesus, save my son. He's lost. He's gone into this lifestyle of this, that, or the other. But you want him to have grace and you can't give grace. Do you know what the word grace, one of the definitions is? I love this. I, God gave this to me when my sister died because I was hurting so bad. One of the definitions of grace, Carice, is the ability to say goodbye. So when my sister died, as close as I was to her, after I preached her funeral that day, my brother and I preached her funeral. See you in heaven. Oh, did it hurt? Did waves come in? Waves of grief? Yes. I'd just be sitting somewhere and just start crying for no reason. See a Christmas picture of old and start crying. That's just part of life. But God gives you the ability. I've had friends that have lost children. They're like, this grace hit. Can't explain it. And boy, it used to make me mad until I lost my sister. How are you going to have grace? It's overwhelming favor. To simply go, 
carry you no more. It don't matter what dad did. It don't matter he didn't call on my 16th birthday. It don't matter if he walked out of me. It doesn't matter that he, that he finally met me after years and he didn't tell me he loved me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter he didn't apologize. I don't have to deal with you no more because I have laid you on my altar. And things that are on the altar get burned up over a period of time. And what you've got to understand is God sent me to tell you, you want revival in this city? You want God to pour out his glory in this city? And I don't even know how long I've gone? Don't tell me. Don't care. Because there's a moment where you begin to say, I've had enough. Forgetting what is behind me, I'm I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm pressing. I'm looking for somebody to stand up in this place. I'm looking for somebody to get up on your feet in this place because God has given me the ability to say goodbye to what hurt me, goodbye to what's kept me. You want your business to stop being broke? Let go of the guy that you worked for in the last place. You want your health to be healed? Let go of the person that died on you. You want God to change you? You want your anointing to be exploding to change the world let go of the person that abused the anointing or abused you there is a moment where you say I can't carry you anymore and my cross lift your hands and cry out to God now you ever been hurt in ministry people made promises Well, then I guess we get to be like Paul. These scars I bear were for my benefit. That's what he said. Because scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. And you know what my wife always teaches? Scars are proof you survived the surgery. Yeah. Listen. The day that your dreams get bigger than the offense is the day you'll let it go. My dreams are too important to me to carry around what Paul called dung. This is the hour where the church says, get off my back. I will not drink your poison. I will tell you that everyone in our school of ministry has been hurt. Right, Austin? Dad died when you were a baby. How big was the rat you killed in your mom's house at Christmas? Size of a cat? Pretty big? people I ever hang out with are the ones that said the hell I went through prepares me for the heaven I will help create the hell I went through why did I just see the Lord open a lid over your head I see oil pouring over You've been living in a dry season. You've been going through the motions. 
you ain't felt God I break every word spoken over you at it, starting at 11 years old that tried to crucify you and take you out everything that has told you you have to do this that everything you've ever tried to do you've done in your own strength and the Lord says Ben right Bob But I don't have to surrender. I'm gifted. Maybe those book of Psalms will come alive. Pen with fire in it. Oh, this prison. Unlock new season, fresh revelation. <sighs> I'm waiting on somebody to cry out, man. I don't know why you hadn't started yet. If I was sitting back here and I just heard this, I'd reach up right now and say, Get off me. And I joined Pat up front. That's what I'd do. I'd say, what my mama did, get off me. What my grandmama did, get off me. But what that dad, and by the way, if your dad ever left you and robbed you of having a papa, it's his loss. He missed out on somebody great. There comes a moment where you go, no, because I got two babies to raise, and I don't want them to pick up what I've been carrying around from generations. So who in this room needs to get rid of some stuff? Pull it off your back now. Pull it off your back. Pull it off your back. Sit up. And then come join me. Come on. Come on. Get off your back. Get off your back. Say in Jesus' name, get off me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come help me. Come help me. Come help me. Come help me. We're about to see the prophetic released. We're about to see the miracles released. We're about to receive. It don't matter what he did. It doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter. I got the fire of God. Come on. Get out of your chairs. Come join us. Come join us. We're forgetting what is behind me. I'm forgetting it. I'm leaving it. You're about to experience revival in this city. Come closer. Everybody's got to get in here. to see the real you. So it doesn't matter who hurt us. You ever been walked out on? Anybody ever hurt you? How old are you? 17? 19? Someday you'll appreciate that comment. <laughs> God wants to know why you're settling. You're letting your dreams lay aside while you try to help everyone else survive. 
He's trying to release you in your destiny. When you're called to greatness, you just got to let it go. Okay? Fill out the application. You got to go. Doesn't matter who hurt me. Doesn't matter who else. forgive my family your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven saw him extend your timeline, sweetheart. I feel your freedom. It's raining down on me. You're restoring our freedom. At last I'll see more than me. I want to see you, Lord. want to feel you, Lord. Lift your hands. Heal us. It's not this kind of fast. One that will break the barriers and the bondage, as if it did. I feel your mercy. It's running all over me. This mercy. Poured out from heaven, I will now give it to those who hurt me. Free me, Lord. With your hands lifted across the house, two things have got to happen, and then God will hear your petitions. Say this out loud. Say tonight. You know what? Do your hands like this, if you would. Look at your hands. Say, Lord, all this stuff. Now look at your hands, and I want you to start being 
spiritually begin to imagine all the junk. Somebody walked out on you. Somebody didn't show up. Somebody hurt you. Somebody offended you. I can tell you something that was said to me in the sixth grade by a, high, by a junior high, or an elementary principal. To this day, I can remember when he said to me, I should quit school at 16 because I wasn't smart. If he wasn't dead, I'd mail him my books. That scarred me. Or the coach that told me I couldn't run fast enough. It's too bow-legged. Words. Power of life and death in the tongue. Words. I don't want to feed off of what they said to me. I want to feed off of what this said to me. I'm an overcomer. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live greater is he that's in me 2017 the year of overwhelming the enemy so look into your hands and say tonight I'm ready for my next I'm ready for my miracles I'm ready for my grace and my freedom I'm ready for my dreams man I just heard the lawnmower engine of a dream start up it's what it sounded like a lawnmower it's like God was going you know how it starts it sputters you gotta prime it a little bit snowblower and then it hums that's what I just heard in the spirit the Lord says I'm restarting dreams but there was stuff in the carburetor so say Lord I give you hold your hands out say I give you my offense hand it to him hand it to him here please take it say this out loud and listen to me you only love Jesus as much as you love our sin to me say Hold your hands up to him and say, I give you my pain, my sorrow, my offense. Because it's not worth your grace or my dreams. Now say, I receive from you healing oil. Remember, he tattooed your name on his hand. He anoints my head with oil. You know why it says that? It means that when God touches me, my identity is tied to Him. My cup overfloweth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of life, my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's not just talking about going to church. It's talking about living in the tabernacle. Jesus was the Word made flesh. He tabernacled among us. It means I live inside of Him. If I abide in Him and He abides me, ask what I will, it shall be done. It's all tied together. You're getting all this? I've just given you about 400 pages worth of theology just now. There's a moment where you begin to realize that I'm letting that go because I've got a new temple to step into. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than live over there with my enemies. Are you with me so far? And there's a moment where I'm saying, right now I'm just a gatekeeper, but very soon, like Joshua, I'm be sitting in there and I'm going to dwell Exodus 33 verse 11 I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life there's a moment where you begin to step towards the gate take a step forward and say I'm going to be a gatekeeper for right now because I'm about to get invited into his presence like I've never experienced I'm about to see the miracles like I've never experienced and I'm going to tell you I don't know who it is that God made me preach this for tonight but you got to let it go don't call him up and say hey I want you to know I forgive you for doing it let it go there's a moment where you say I let it go that does not hurt me anymore I'm done with it I'm handing the poison back. I'm not drinking the poison anymore. Now open your, lift your hands and say, in Jesus' name, I want the 1 Corinthians 12. Gifts of the Spirit. The gift of signs and wonders. 
the gifts of interpretation and wisdom, the gift of faith. Tonight, unlock dreams and visions. Now here comes the healing part. Say, Jesus, I forgave. So give me grace. Here it comes. Lift your hands. Shut your eyes. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost out loud. Here it comes. You just unlock the valve of heaven. The valve of heaven just got unlocked. I've never even shared something like this. Why I take it to this point in the altar? But I just saw the Lord unlocking the vows of heaven because we need people with the gifts of, of, of prophecy and the gift of healing in this room up here. We need people to lay hands on others and watch them get completely delivered. These hands will no longer get stiff. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Why do you think Jesus spoke peace over the storm? It had nothing to do with the storm. It had nothing to do with the disciples in the boat. It had to do with a demon-possessed man that he would turn into the greatest evangelist to ever go and set the Decapolis on fire. The greatest evangelist was the man from the tombs. He set ten cities on fire in the Middle East that still have Christians in it today. So when he spoke peace, it was not about the storm. It was about the man on the other side that had been cutting himself for years. And all of a sudden went, peace. I got to get down to the shore and meet some of that. Peace, peace. Some of you have never had a full night's sleep since you were a teenager. Because of harassing spirits. God says, I want to free you of that right now. I don't know who you are. There's others in here. You are a grown adult, and you would never tell anybody, but you're scared to death of the dark because you've had things come out of the dark, and God wants to restore you. He wants to put perfect peace around you where you can walk in the authority of God. you got dreams. It's time to give it. It's time to cry out and say, ready? Jesus, I 
bless them. You know what you just said, right? To bless someone means to give away your own favor. That's what it means. I'm giving them that was given to me. I bless them with what I desire. So do it again with your eyes shut. With your eyes shut, I want you to picture who's hurt you and say, I forgive them. Oh, no, I didn't feel that in the spirit. We ain't there yet. We ain't there yet. We ain't worked out our salvation yet. Here it comes. Shut your eyes, and I want you to say it as if you're looking, even if they're dead. Say, I forgive you. And say, I bless you. You're going to rest tonight. Now lift your hands up and say, I receive my healing in my body. I receive my miracle for finances. If you need miracles for finances, ask him for anything. If you abide in him and he abides in you, ask what you will and shall be done. Ask him for anything. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. I'm telling you, it, it, this was you, your, your prayers just went past the doorway of offense that have always shut them on you. You have just now opened a new door of the anointing to ask for what you want. You're not going to be feeling like you're preaching to a, to a low-flying ceiling. You're or praying to a low-flying. It's going to be whoosh, right to the throne. Your prayers come up before him. You know why God saved Nineveh? Because the king in a very reprobate nation, perverse nation, it says prayers came up before God. The cries of the people. You know why he saved Israel? They all sighed. Read the Bible at one moment. Do you know what sigh means? It means to go. It says the entire nation sighed and God remembered his covenant after 440 years. It means they all went. Even the babies all went. You know what sigh is? A releasing of the old spirit to breathe in the new. And it says, at that moment, God remembered his covenant until you have a sigh of the soul moment. And you know what a sigh is? It's after you prayed so hard, you ain't got nothing left, and you just go, that's a sigh. Who wants to sigh with me? Release the old and breathe in the new. Ready? And all of engaging heaven church went, and God remembered his covenant. That was spoken over this church 400 years ago. God's been waiting on this church to sigh. You know what it means? It means to release the old breath and breathe in new. Now lift your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost out loud. We just walked through what I call deliverance. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In bountiful billows of love. Sing a little louder. I know this is an old, old, old song. Peace, peace. Wonderful, 
Camels are coming. The finances are coming. The windows have been opened. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In bountiful billows of love. A little bit louder, everybody say, peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my forever. In bountiful pillows. Lord just told me to do something. Every eye shut. If you're in this room and you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues from God, a language where he gets your tongue. If he's got your tongue, he's got your body. Read the book of James. And God says, I want to baptize you in fire. How do you get it? You just ask for it. What if I don't get it? So what? Can you mess it up? No. Can you go to heaven without it? Yes, but you need it to go to the grocery store. God says, I will give you a language between you and I. A new language, a fresh language, a pure language, a holy language. Why do I need that? Because he's restoring the Tower of Babel where they tried to take the language from God and God had to curse them. They tried to do their own thing. And God says, now I'm restoring one language, one mind, one body, a language between you and God. It's your Holy Spirit, the secret decoder ring between you and God. Everywhere I go, I want to re- I remove these, these fears of being baptized in fire. Maybe you've already been baptized in the Holy Ghost. But if you haven't, you need it. Why? Because there are days when you have not words to pray. But the Spirit is making utters, utterances. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. You need to understand. No demon can live in the water. That's why they were drowned in the water of the pigs. That's why they're cast to the dry places. So if you've got water flowing out of you, no demonic force can live in you. So understand what I'm saying. God wants to baptize you in fire. Every eye shut. The Lord just took me here. uh, And he said, do this. There are some of you that have been chasing after it, not even sure if you got it. Well, what is it? It's just a language. It's like 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 a gateway to the gifts. And how do I get it? Just ask. What if I don't don't get it? So what? Can I mess it up? No. Can I go to heaven without it? Yes. But you need it to go to work. Every eye shut. If you say, I want to be baptized in fire right now, and you've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost with a language between you and God, raise both hands in the air. Where are you at? The Lord just told me there's people here. Yeah, yeah, I see you. Here he goes. Are you ready? We're not going to push on you. We're not going to rock you back and forth. We're not going to count to three. You're going to simply pray this, and it's going to hit you. And that's how the Holy Ghost hits. It's going to flow up out of you, and it's going to be intense, man. And you need it, sweetheart, for that campus when that humanism is being spewed at you. So here's what we need right now. You ready? Everyone else begin to pray softly in the Holy Ghost. All we're going to do is everybody pray this as well. Jesus, I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was in me when I got saved. Now bring it out of me. Baptize me in Holy Ghost fire. All over the house, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost out loud. If you just prayed that, you're being baptized right now. It may start with one syllable. It may start with a just a little bit. It'll just flow up out of you. What if I don't get it? So what? Just pray in the Holy Ghost. It's there. It is real. It is 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. You, well, but but isn't wasn't that just for the day of Pentecost? No. 20 years later, after the day of Pentecost, Acts 19, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost at Ephesus. It is for today. That's why it says, eagerly desire the gifts. Be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, Jude, Bible says, pray in the Holy Ghost as much as you can. Build yourself up in the most holy faith, the Bible says. 
That's how the Holy Ghost works. It's just a language. But I'm not getting it just yet. Paul said, I wish I could lay hands on everybody, but I can't. But it's when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just goes, He's all over you. He is healing your heart. He's healing your heart. I break an abandonment spirit that has come against you. Fresh touch, fresh touch, fresh touch, fresh touch of fire, fresh touch, hello, entrepreneur, that's a king right there, Jeremiah's a king. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Do you have children? We declare that Luke's ears shall be opened. My daughter Abby's ears shall be opened. Devil, you cannot take in Jesus' name the hearing of our children. They are healed in Jesus' name. You need to prepare for growth. And I break off of you a mindset of even the preachers in the community that said nothing grows anymore, nothing gets big anymore, be happy with your core group. I break that lying spirit that is settled over this city that say that it will never see revival. They are hurting you behind every house. They got candles lit in the windows. God said, I will bring fresh fire. pray for you every single day we will call your name out that's real thank you for believing in this vision let's sing it peace peace wonderful peace coming down You know, I feel I feel like uh, soil just got dug out, <laughs> like this massive, you know, amount of dirt just got plowed out of our lives, and now God is like so gonna just fill this area. I mean, there's nothing you say. God just dropped, but I'll tell you what, He's trying to set the pace for the year, to let the baggage go, any offenses, whatever it is. I mean, dude. And if God's showing me stuff, I know you're in trouble. I'm just telling you flat out. I live this stuff. I'm going to just tell you, please. You know. So I want to encourage you to believe God to fill that area. 
You know, the Bible says that, you know, when, when the strong man's bound, that, you know, we've got to fill that because the enemy wants to come back. But I'm going to tell you, there's areas of your life that have been filled with offense or hurt or whatever that God now wants to occupy. And I want to encourage you as we start the year off. I mean, this stuff is life-changing. This will change your life completely. And I know without ever saying a word to him already that he's dead on. For some of y'all, I'll be straight up. And so if I know that, I know then a bunch of you guys are being spoken to about it. And it's a real word for New England. You know, that horse on top of the Capitol building in Providence is, is Mr. Independence. And, and that's the mindset in New England. And it's really walled driven by offense and hurt and skepticism. But I see God changing that. And, and we're not going to buy to that philosophy. And I want to just encourage you. Let, I mean, you don't have to leave. You stay here. But I mean, you're not ending something like this. I mean, you just sit here all day, stand still. But let that area that got gutted out be filled. Father, we allow you to fill those areas. We just receive that word. We receive that joy, that glory, that peace right now, Father. And we thank you that we are free. We are free. We're free from expectations. We're free from opinions. We're free from judgments. We're free from mindsets. Father, we are free as you've called us to be. And Lord, we please you only. And God, as you said, forgive them because they don't know. Lord, we do the same to so many tonight in our lives, because they don't know. So, Father, we just release it, Lord, to you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You go to bed tonight. When you go to bed tonight, make a list. Karen and I, the Lord spoke to me. December 23rd, this is the year to slay giants. And I didn't realize that, and then he took me to 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath, but that the number 17 in the Hebrew means overwhelming victory, overwhelming the enemy. And so my wife and I, that day, made out a list of giants. There's a whole page of giants that we want to see fall. And in our own lives. And every morning we come into agreement. Philippians 4, 6, we make our petitions known with thankfulness of heart, not fear and dread, but thankfulness of heart, we make our petitions known. We come into agreement every day. You know, when we started doing that, James, two years ago, I teach this in the Entrepreneur Anointing, that our marriage changed, our finances changed, everything changed. If I have a need, I don't have to call people. I have to go, Pastor James, can you all, your church help? I just walk out to my front porch. I really do. Angels, you're sent to serve those who are near salvation, bring it in. Miracles happen. I've danced in my backyard and walked through my house and found, needed a $5,000 miracle for a crusade in San Diego to cover our team to get out there, walked back through the house, looked in a box, and there was a check after dancing before the Lord. you got to get crazy about your faith. There's a moment where you begin to say, all right, and if your dream is not bigger than your natural resources, you don't have a dream. you got a maintenance diet going on. I'm serious. Dream. But submission's only a theory till it costs you something. That means if you got a dream for business, you need to spend time. Brilliant businessman. you got a dream to launch a church, you need to spend time. You're just dumb enough to plant a church in the number one area of the country where they say you can't grow a church. That means revival's coming. 
I'm just dumb enough to be an evangelist when all evangelists are leaving the road and going to plant churches and start, or going to do churches because it's a sustainable every week salary. Ah, I love the drug called faith, man. I love Monday morning faith. I really do. I love it. When it, when it every single week when I go, all right, God, you said go, I go. Watch what you do. I love it. Because he's never, 20 years in September we've been on the road, he's never not sustained us. Every week. But see, a lot of us need to understand submission's only a theory till it costs you something. And if you have the magic formula downloaded from heaven where God put it on a, va on, on, a, on a scroll and he wrote it in gold ink with a feather and told you how to do something where you don't have to seek out wisdom, I need you to know, there, know that you're crazy. <laughs> and that is contrary to God's word. It's wisdom in the council. Amen. You want drinks? Set up meetings. Drink some coffee. And start with baby steps. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Watch God blow your mind. When I call Rodney, when I call Mark Spitzbergen, when I call any, when I call Reinhard Bunky, I ask one question and shut up. Because that one simple question is going to unlock doors for me that I never experienced. Amen.